Tommy's tell. Oh well, then if Tommy says hush. Let's go. Well, that's good. That's good. Um, as we get started today, I'm going to be making this announcement at the end of service, but we're going to have on July the the last Sunday of July. We're going to have. We're, we're moving into this morning. Mike starting a freedom series, and so freedom and transformation. And so, um, in 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 view of that, we want we know that each and every one of you, or many many of you and probably every single one of you, but many of you will be willing to do this. How many of you have seen the cardboard testimonies? Okay, you've seen them? Okay, okay. So what that is, is you'll take a piece of cardboard. We'll provide the cardboard. We'll actually make the cardboard for you, but we won't make up your story. So a little piece of cardboard, probably 18 by 18. And then um, you, what I'm asking of you is for you to supply me with a testimony of God's deliverance, healing. It could be anything, marriage. It could be a situation the Lord has brought you through. Anything, addiction, freedom. I mean, any, I mean, the sky's the limit. I've seen it where couples, um, husband and wife, get up there and say, on the verge of divorce, and then turn it over. God restored our marriage. We are happily married. You know, things like that. Um, I've seen it could be in the area of emotions that you, you know, plagued with anxiety or plagued with fear for how many years it can be in the area of addiction doesn't have to be doesn't have to be what we call illegal addiction it can be suffered chronic pain for years that brought me to an oxycontin addiction god is an opioid addiction i mean how many people do you know that struggle sitting on church pews because they had pain that they couldn't resolve in their body and they started taking opioids and then the pain gave way to an opioid addiction that was more painful than the pain anybody know what i'm talking about so this happens all the time and here's the problem here's what we want to do we and what you'll do how does this work you stand up you don't say a word you walk up all the people come up and they read the side of the cardboard that says the problem and the test, right? And then you flip it over and the praise. And everybody in the congregation sees that and you stand up there, all the people that are with you, and that gives you an opportunity to share a testimony. I mean, how many of you are like, can I have 45 pieces of cardboard? You know? <laughs> I mean, if you've got a couple of really great ones, we'll give you two, right? You know, that, that how many of you understand that that is so powerful because the person sitting out there, the devil always uses the same line because it still works. You're the only one. You know, it just still works, doesn't it? How many people, how many times have you felt isolated in a problem? And felt like you were the only one, maybe not that had ever suffered with it, but you felt like yours was somehow unique in your level of, the level of trial. And that nobody ever, or that everybody else who'd ever suffered with it did way better getting over it than you did. Is that not true? And this could be anything from restoration in family, restoration in marriage. So there, and I'm going to be, because this has to be short, right you can't we can't write 10 pitch type on there and anybody going to be able to read it we've got to be able to get this into it i'm really good at taking you can give me a discourse this long and i can go in four lines and i can get it said for you and that's basically what we'll we'll, we'll be doing 
So I need you to come see me for that because I've got to write that down. I've got to get your cardboard. I've got to write your story on there, and I've got to put your name on it. Then you've got to show up on the day of, and you've got to own it. So that's what we're going to be doing. So as we, as we start today, I just wanted to pitch for that. And does anybody have any um, prayer requests this morning as we open up? Anything? Yes. Wow. Oh my word. <gasps> wow. What's your sister's name? Joanne. We're going to pray this morning that jo- that this wound just miraculously heals. Yeah, we need this. We need this. We know that God is able. Who else? Anyone? Yes, John. The hippie doctor. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yo, dude, looking good. <laughs> he said, that's good, though. Praise the Lord. He said, roll on, man. <laughs> hey, I was raised by hippies. One for sure. Okay, anybody else? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Good. Because what you what you did when when you're talking about that, that's really good. Because when you hit a trial, I mean, I've told y'all so many times, that's when the opponent, the opposition, has got on the bus and has come to your gym. There's no points. There's no games won in practice, right? You don't get to accrue any points from practice and take them to the game and say, we did this, we ran this play really good in practice, so we're going to start out with ten points. Nobody's ever been able to do that. It's not, the points don't count until the opponent gets there. And so you have to, when you get in the conflict, you got to run the play. Just run the play. Then you get the points, and the points is the win. And then you have the win. So that's good. So let's, anybody else? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. We thank you, God, for that you are so good. You are so good, Lord God, that you heal that you protect, that you restore. I pray right now, I come into agreement for Joanne. This wound on her arm, Lord God, that you see the situation, Lord, as she's caring for this other person, God, with this disability. I just ask, God, that you would free her from this infection in the name of Jesus, that every every cell in her body would return to normal, that the inflamed tissue in her arm, Lord God, the swelling would be gone in the name of Jesus, and that healing process would begin to begin in her body, God, that her immune system would function, God, that everything needed, Lord God, in her blood cells, Lord God, all that's needed for her body to clear this infection, I just ask right now in the name of Jesus that we call it done by the word of God. And we thank you, Lord God, that you've touched John's hip, God, and he is restored and able to walk, Lord God, without pain. I pray, Father, that you would help us each day to overcome our challenges, Lord God, as the victory that you have brought for us in the cross, God, is applied to our life, God, and we realize it, Lord God, is our own experience. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Okay, y'all ready? Revelation, let's go. Tonight, today, tonight, who knows, whatever this is, you might want to talk about tonight too. Revelation 7 is what we're going to be looking at. And the title of today is called, we answered last week, um, who is able to stand. Today, we're going to talk about what's the deal with the seal. Okay? What's the deal with the seal? And so I was so encouraged as I studied for this. Now, I'm going to have to tell y'all, just because, you know, I'm, I'm, if I'm anything, I'm honest. I don't, have a, I don't have a shady bone in my body. I really don't. I mean, I'm, I'm an incapable of being a person who just, who is, who is anything other than transparent. And so as I began to study Revelation, you know, I started out in a road. I started out with my, with my years and my history and my, my system of understanding theology. I mean, I'm credentialing in the Assemblies of God. I've gone through all the levels of credentialing. credentialing. I'm ordained and whatever that means. I'm not trying to brag or anything. I'm just saying I've done some time in study. I've taught the Word of God since I was 20 years old. And so I've been, I've been doing this a little while. And so as I began to do this, I never in my life, I've done a Revelation study one other time in my life, and I hate to do Revelation studies. I don't like it. Because it's so much work and there's so much controversy whenever you step into it. And so, but I felt the Lord stirring me to do this. I felt that the time that we live in, this was an apropos study for this day. And so I said, Lord, okay, I, you know, I don't want to do it, but I want to do whatever you want me to do. Amen. And so I jumped in. And now I, when I jump into something, I'm all, I'm, I'm head underwater. It's just the way I am. It's just my personality. So I've probably read a stack of books like this on Revelation. I, I know, I mean, Mike, how many think I've read? I mean, gosh, he, he gets, I know he has to get tired of me. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's not true, but I have. And so I asked the Lord, I asked the Lord, okay, I want to learn, I want to unlearn everything I've ever known. And you know how long that took me? That was the hardest. Unlearn I'm going to tell you, unlearning is harder than learning. Every time, yeah. And every time I would think I had unlearned it, it's like turn off the computer, you know what I mean? And as soon as I kicked it back on, all my presets were back there. You know what I'm talking about? I was like all the blanks were filled in again. What is it? I couldn't. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it, and so it was just so, it was so difficult, and so as I went, and it was just, it's like when you're trying to unlearn something, and you're trying to relearn, and it, with a blank slate, I just always felt like I was just, I was constantly frustrated, because I just didn't, I just couldn't get it, and when I finally resolved to know nothing, and believe nothing, And it was. That took me a long time. I couldn't just wake up and do that. And what I had to do, what I mean by that is it wasn't until, because I, I went into this knowing where the controversy was at was going to be, when's the rapture, pre, mid, post, right? You know what I mean? And then, but see, that's always the question in the room. And so finally, when I took that and I had to say, okay, I cannot even care about revelation 
until I am in the midst of the turmoil. I couldn't. I don't know. Maybe you're better than me. You know what I'm saying? Okay, how many of you read the Left Behind series? Show of hands. Okay, I read all of them. And then maybe saw the movies or whatever. Now, here's the thing. In the Left Behind series, the whole plot of the books, the whole reason for the books is what? No, what is it? The whole point of the book is that, that what goes on on the earth during Daniel's 70th week. And without somebody being there, there's no reason for the book series. So I had to step into the drama or nothing made sense. And so I had to completely go and dive in. Now, some of you are like, well, that's just... Now, if you think that teaching a, a non-pre-tribulation rapture, because I know I did the survey in here. Most of, your, most of you came from that history. Most of you came from that tradition. Mo, and, and I found out that, that a lot of people think it's heretical not to teach it. In other words, wrong, heresy. It's, in the Assemblies of God, our thir- the number 13 of our fundamental truth is the rapture of the church. Number 13. Wait, I know, what a number. But it does not tell you pre, mid, or post. You have to go into what's called our position papers. It's not even a part of the doctrine. Rapture is a part of the doctrine. The timing of the rapture is not a part of the doctrine. You have to go into the position papers... And the position paper was written in August the 15th of 1979 that the Assemblies of God holds a pre-tribulation tradition. So I was like, okay. So I began studying Revelation and the rapture and the whole thing from the place of I have to be in the drama or I don't even care. Now, you may say, well, of course you care. I care. I cared on a superficial, I know I'm supposed to care so I can say I care. You know what I'm talking about? I, I mean, I know the verbiage. I know what to say. I'm not an imbecile. But I couldn't care from a heart level. And regardless of where you stand on a rapture, it makes no difference to me. Because the reality is, revelation is appropriate for every person in here, even if there's a pre-tribulation rapture, because I dare say, you will have loved ones that will be here. Children. So it's important for you to submerge yourself from within the story because it's a whole nother viewpoint I have learned more doing this about the whole tone and tenor the meta narrative of scripture than I have ever learned in my life and I thank God that he pushed me into the deep end of a river I never really wanted to flow in because without this challenge that I have been I've been embarking on, I started at the end of October. 
I have learned more about the Word of God. I am more excited about the day that I live. I am more. I have more faith in the Word of God and the plan of God and the Spirit of God. I am more convinced of God's ability to care for his children. I am more brave. I am more assured. I am more focused on the kingdom of God than I have ever been. So if you would like to take that journey, I would hope that you would because it has been absolutely revolutionary for me. I am more in love with God than I have ever been. And today, when I talked about last week, who's able to stand, I don't care where the drama finds you. It will find you, child of God, on your feet. See, that's what I need right there. Not some doctrine that's always making... I mean, how many times have I answered the question for teenagers and adults, young adults and old adults alike? Andrea, what happens if five minutes before the rapture I sin, will I make it? And many of you are going, well, well. You don't understand the gospel if you're asking that question. And now I have your attention. So here we, who's able to stand? We answered it last week. I'm, he, he keeps, Jude 124 said he, he, is, he keeps me from doing what? Falling. That having done all to stand, I stand in the anointing of God. And so now we're going to talk about what's the deal with the seal? Not, or, or, or. In case you were wondering, not that seal. That was a good seal, wasn't it? Man, I have granddaughters, so. Okay, seven. We answered last week, 617. For with the great day of their, for the great day of their wrath has come, and who is able to stand? Who's able to stand? Raise your hand. Oh, yep, I'm able to stand. We know. We found that in the Word of God, didn't we? When does it happen? Doesn't matter. Why? I'm able to stand. That's good. Okay, now let's go to seven. I know I'm going to share something with y'all a little bit. I might as well do it now because otherwise some things may not make sense. As I studied Revelation, I read it 758,000 times. That's an overspeak, you understand. I kept telling Mike, I said, when I read Revelation, I would read it and I would say, Mike, can we listen to Revelation again? We read it. I've listened to it. I mean, I can sit in, um, get my toes done. I can read Revelation. I mean, that's how many times I just read it. I just read it over and over and over and over and over and over and over. And as I read it, every time I read it, I told Mike, I said, I feel like the narrative, it moves back and forth. I mean, I knew there was parenthetical chapters like, like um, 10, 11, and 12 or is parenthetical to or is parenthetical to it, meaning it's like a, it's like a, a time, a time out to talk about the other things going on around it. But then even as I'm looking at the writing of Revelation, I kept seeing that it would like the the story from start to finish would be told, like from the seal one to seal seven, it's like the whole story was at the end. Because by the time you get to the seventh seal, we're at the cosmic signs. What are the cosmic signs? 
the sun and moon are darkened and the stars refuse to shine. And what happens right after the cosmic sign according to Matthew 24? That's when the that's when the Lord that goes all the way the day of the Lord culminates at the cosmic sign. When I was just like I'm I'm just gonna ask y'all this. Oh sorry, I'm just gonna ask y'all this. When has because the Lord's a real pattern guy. No disrespect, but he loves patterns. He uses patterns because he knows we're a bunch of. We're not always astute. And sometimes he uses patterns, and he also knows that throughout the whole discourse of history, generations are going to move in and out, and in and out. And he's got this prophetic timeline that's just set and fixed, and I'm going to move in, and one day I'll move out. And you're moving in and out. And your culture, you come from different cultures. My culture moves in and out. And this is a whole nother culture. And so he just puts it there as a fixed thing. And we all move in. And we bring our culture and our, our ideology and our philosophy and our heritage and our history and our habits into the, into the... And we just impregnate it with all of our thinking, right? So he uses patterns so we can move in and out and step and look in that and go, where am I at? Oh, he's done this before. Oh, and there. And, th and if he did it there and there and there, then he's going to do it there and there and there. So here, cosmic sign, the sun. When did he ever use a cosmic sign to announce his coming? The star of Bethlehem was a cosmic sign. It didn't just appear in a 24-hour period and go away. It was there hanging out going, Da, hello, would you look at this? Something grand is happening to anyone who cares to listen. Hello, world. Big news on the horizon. And unto you this day a child is born. You know, the cosmic sign, and they wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. But the only people who had ears to hear Amen. were wise men from the east, from Babylon, who came with gold and frankincense and myrrh. Why did they know? How did this pagan nation comprehend and read the cosmic sign how did these pagans step into the timeline of God's prophetic announcement and pick up on the sign Daniel was the head of all the wise men and he taught them and they taught the next generation and the next generation taught the next generation. And the next generation taught the next generation. Until they could look at the signs and read them. He said, oh, you're a wicked generation. Always seeks for a sign. You don't know how. You know how to read the signs of your natural world by saying, when I get up, if it's red, it'll be cloudy. If it's clear, well, I don't know what they are, but you know what I mean. You can look at the sky and see if there's going to be bad weather or good weather right he said but you're 
You're a wicked generation that you can't look at the landscape of the world and see the signs. So here we are. And so as I looked at Revelation, I kept seeing. It goes from start. The seals take you from start to finish. Now, this doesn't matter if you're not going to be here. But when I started to be here, it started mattering. Does that make sense? So then from start to finish. And so I was like, okay, the first sign is like a, the, the white horse of the apocalypse. And then we get to the seventh seal and we're at the cosmic signs. But I'm just in chapter 6. And then I read it again. And then the next thing I know, I've got this parenthetical word in here. The 144,000 is parenthetical. And now it's like, where, where are we at? Are we in heaven? Are we on earth? Where the heck are we at? And then we start with the judgments. And they go from one to seven. And they end with the Lord coming back. I'm like, if he came back with the seals, how's he going to come back? It's after. You see what my mind's doing? And then I'm like, the bowls of wrath. They're one through and then I'm like, and they end with the whole thing finishing up. And I told Mike, I said, I feel like the narrative is moving. It goes, tells the story, then it goes back and tells it again. Then it goes back and tells it again. And then in the midst of all that telling and retelling, it's all layering it all in together to tell you the full comprehensive picture. I said, then he's shooting off and telling you about the beast and the prostitute and, the, you know, and all these, and the 144,000, the sealed. He's telling you all these, superb, these other things that are appropriate to the one through sevens. I'm like, it's all laid, yeah, layered in. And then, glory to God. As I was reading my umpteenth thousandth book, I read this. This picture. Ah, that the Western mind sees it like my Western one through seven, one through seven, one through seven. A Semitic mind would not see it that way. The Semit, I must get, I was trying to get my Semitic mind on with my Semitic Holy Ghost. That's Jewish, by the way. He's universal, but, you know, he spoke through the Jewish people. It says this, The universally acknowledged Semitic style of revelation favors the second view. You can't see this, but it's one through seven. Then the trumpets pick up somewhere around four, and it finishes out at seven. And then the bowls pick up somewhere at four and finishes out at seven. So all of the narrative of the one through seven finishes up at seven. Yes. And so here, and that's the way, that is the way, and when I began to read the narrative that way, it started to make so much more sense because I kept seeing it that way, but I didn't know if I was allowed to. You know what I'm saying? Because I thought, well, it's one through, I'm, how many of y'all, you're Western like me, so you go, we're chronological people. It's first and second and third and fourth, you know what I mean? And we, we, don't, we don't jump back in. You don't say Mary went to the store and bought a loaf of bread and then went home and then go, and then go. We would say, if we wanted to talk about that, when she was at the store, we would go. Mary went to the store and bought a loaf of bread and went back home. Mary visited with a man who was her uncle. Now, she's at the store visiting with this man. But y'all don't know that. When I, see how I did that Western-wise? I just went and Mary went to the store. She brought a loaf of back home. Mary visited with a man who was her uncle. Every single one of you put that after she got back from the store. Because you're Western. 
See, they don't do it. A Semitic literature, they will take you all the way through the narrative, and then they will go back in, and they will plug back in important facts. Yes, that's what it's a for. It's called it's called foreshadowing, or it's called flashback. But see, we know that because the the literature tells us what we're watching. If if it's a flashback, it gets hazy, right? Because it's you know what I mean. Or look, we know you pick up on all the clues. But when you're reading the Bible, it has the same thing. You're just not trained to pick up on the clues. And so I was so happy to find that. But then as I looked at that, so maybe as I give you that, maybe you can read Revelation, everything closing up at 7. You know what I mean? And now putting it all together. Now, I don't know where they all line out at. No one will know. It's gonna, you can start to see similarities in the events. You're like, well, that, because you'll notice that. Well, some of the things in the seal matches some of the things in the trumpets and then some of the things in the boat. They all seem to have elements of the same thing so I thought that might help you when you're reading it okay so seven and one what's the deal with the seal after this so after this doesn't mean it doesn't mean it's after that it means that after I saw this vision I saw this vision but see in our mind what do we do well it means this is that because chapter six follows chapter seven It wasn't written with the numbers in it. So we're, we're looking at visions, visions. It does not necessarily mean they're chronological. It means we're looking at this vision, and we're looking at this vision, and we're looking at this vision, and we're looking at this vision. So after this, I saw four angels stand, new vision in other words. I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth holding back the four winds so that no wind would blow on the earth or the sea or against any tree. Then I saw another angel coming up from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried out with a loud voice, voice, to the, voice to the four angels who were permitted to harm the earth and the sea, saying, Do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees until we have sealed on the foreheads the servants of our God. Now, what you should be picking up on here. Because y'all are all getting familiar with this whole book of Hebrew literature that's not, it's books, but it's one continual volume leading you to Jesus, right? One story. What we understand there, don't harm the sea, the, the land, or the trees. Where did seas, land, and trees start? In Genesis 1, God spoke and he created. So we're to the end now, and what's God fixing to do? He's fixing to decreate. This was about to happen. And you're supposed to pick, the guy who made it is about to tear it down. I mean, this is exciting to me. And he did it once before with the ark. It says, before he tore it all up, he 
said this. He said, the day, I, we won't go there. You'll find it in your own. The, we're going to go to Genesis 6 now in just a second, but this is, this is not that part. But go to Genesis 6. The days of man shall be 120 years. Okay, newsflash, I'm going to blow your mind. Some of you are going to be mad at me. Okay, that does not mean every person is able to live 120 years. Sorry. That is not what that scripture means. And now if you make it to 120, good on you. But if, if it had meant that man should live to be 120 years, what would every person be when they died? If God says somebody's going to live 120 years, how long are they going to live? That's not, but do every, does, does everybody you know live to be 120? Then that, that's not what it means. It means this. It means from that day that he said, man, my spirit shall not always strive with man. The days of the earth, the days of him on the earth shall be 120 years. From that day until the flood came was 120 years. And then in the midst of that 120 years, see, he start, he's already planned the decreation cycle. He's going to decreate. He's going to use water to do it. The next time, how is he going to decreate? That's it. See, you know, you already know this stuff. He's going to use water. But before he initiated the flood, the decreation cycle in that day, what did he do? In the midst of the 120 years, he gave a man named Noah, who was righteous, plans for a boat. And Noah built an ark. It's called an ark. He built an ark. And then God made that ark into a floating garden as it were. Not a garden, a floating oxygen garden. Everything that breathed got on the boat. Fish didn't need to be on the boat, did they? Not a problem, a flood. So, and the seed, you're like, well, green stuff didn't get on the earth, I mean, on the ark. Didn't need to. Why? Why? The water killed it all, right? But then what happened? What do seeds do? Seeds just hang out. And next thing, the environment gets right. And when the environment gets right, it's like, pew, pew. That's how the seeds, that's how good seeds and bad seeds work in your own life. You got good seeds in your life in the right environment, they'll sprout. You got bad seeds in your life? Something come up against you and you get all, and you go, and so the environment was right. The seeds just started sprouting. That's not a bad thing. That's for you to Barney Fife it. Nip it in the bud. When you see it, you can't get it until you can see it. When you can see it, that's what I do when I weed my garden. I, wait. I can see them, those little devils they're coming up. When they're little, if I, try to, if I try to get them when they're little, what happens? They break off and grow more. I let them get on up a little bit where we can go off. And then I'm like, and then I soak my flower bed and I'm like, and they just, that's what the Lord wants to do. He, you think that the bad stuff going on in your life, showing what an ugly person you can be, is the devil doing it. The Lord's just getting that stuff up in the green so you can get a hold of it. You know what I'm saying? And he starts to get to church. Don't, don't run from church. You dry off the ground. You try to break it. You try to pull a weed on dry ground. It'll break off and grow more. But you get in the church and the Holy Ghost starts soaking that ground. And then next thing you know, the, the pastor preaches a message and he just pinpoints your sin. And you're like, ah, yes, Lord, take it. And it's like the Holy Ghost just goes. Whoosh. 
See, that was all free. <clears throat> so, Genesis. We're going to Genesis. What's the deal with the seal? What's the deal with the seal? Look, now we're going to go. We're going to go to Genesis. Hold up. 6 and 13. Gen Genesis 6 and 13. Let me read this to you. It's so stinking good. Then God said to Noah, The end of all flesh is coming before me. For the earth is filled with violence because of them. Flesh made violence. I'm dealing with flesh. Behold, I am about to bring ruin upon, uh, upon them along with the land. Make for yourself an ark of gopher wood. You shall make the ark with compartments and smear pitch on it, both inside and out. Now this is how you shall make it. And he tells him 300 cubits, 50 cubits, 30 cubits. You shall make a roof of the ark and finish it with a cute. Tells him how to finish it. Now I'm about to bring the flood water, 17, upon the whole land and destroy all flesh. Everything in, everything which is the spirit of life from under the sky. Everything that is on the land will perish, but I will establish my covenant with you. Huh. So you shall come in the ark. What's he going to establish? Covenant. Mm. And you're going to come in the ark with that covenant. It's going to be your passport. You and your wives and their wives. Also of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of everything, male and female into the ark to keep alive with you. See, God is so committed to his patterns. Whenever Israel, I'm just going to give you this as a sidebar. Whenever Israel went into the land of Canaan in Joshua, the second chapter, there was a woman by the name of Rahab. And God was going to utterly destroy the entire city. And if you read the account, and you can find it in, in Joshua 2 and then again in 6, of the account of Rahab. If you read that, you'll find out that she lived in the wall. The wall there was probably wide enough for chariots to race across the top. Some say six chariots abreast. That's a wide wall. It's as wide as, it could be as wide as this gym. So think about that. You know what I mean? So then there would be, and it may not have been that wide. That's probably an overspeak, I would think. But it was wide enough that houses were built in the wall. And Rahab had one of those houses in the wall. So in the wall, she looked on the outside of the wall, but she was in the wall. Now, how many of you know, how did God make an entrance into Jericho? He didn't just break down the wall because there would be a problem, logical problem, that if you took all of that rubble and you had an army fixing to come in, I mean, what would it create if you just broke it all down? a big pile of junk that would just create another wall, right? So God didn't actually tear the wall down. The Bible says the earth opened up an earthquake and swallowed the wall so it fell down flat. I mean, God's a tactician. But what's more amazing than that he swallowed the wall so the wall wouldn't create an obstacle to what he was doing what he did is he took a woman whose house was in the wall and when the earth was opening up to swallow the entirety of the wall, the one woman who had a covenant, the wall broke off over here and the wall broke off over here. 
Can you imagine if you're Rahab and all your all of her family, she'd get in that house. You heard this, the earth shaking, and you'd start to think, now what would happen if she'd have got scared and ran out of that house? Nope, we got to stay right here. And the earth is shaking and the walls are shaking and it feels like, and I'm sure there's some loose rocks coming in, you know, and it's, it, there's some drama going on. And she's in there and everything's shaking. And just like you today, everything's shaking in the world and it feels like all the stuff is coming undone around you and you want to run and you want to you do it like everybody else is doing because all her neighbors are running. Everybody's running. But she's like, no, 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 i got to stay where this cord's at. This cord hanging out my window is the sign of my covenant. And she stayed there, and she hunkered down, and she was sealed. He sealed her right there, her and her family. Everything else, everything else was destroyed. And Rahab, and it says in the text, Rahab and her family... A cord did it. What's the deal with the seal? I'm telling you. So here, wait, wait, wait. Yo, we even, there's a sidebar. It says that Noah was to make an ark. And what was he to do? Make it out of, go- and what? And cover it with pitch inside. So I looked that up in Strong's because I wanted some Hebrew on this. Pitch, what are we talking about? It is bitumen, by the way. It's tar, a petroleum-based product. But that's not even the fun part. It's how Hebrew is constructed because God is so awesome. He, he only, Hebrew, ancient Hebrew had only few words. Few words. You know why? Because God didn't want us to get confused. And so there was one word for wood. Tree. It didn't matter. Acer, acer, acer. Because when God is telling the story, he's like, when they pick up, when they picked up the branch and they threw it in the polluted stream, it was just acer. And whenever they ate from the forbidden tree, it was just acer. And whenever they, and whenever, um, whenever he went to go get the wood for the ark, he went and got acer. And whenever Jesus was hung on a wood. So you're supposed to be able to connect it all the way. But then what's amazing about the whole thing is that when you get to, what is this pitch? I looked it up. It's kofer, K-O-F-E-R. And it, this is the definition, Strong's Concordance. The life, the price of a life, a ransom. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cover it with pitch. See, the word there, we have tar. We have this. There's only one word in Hebrew. And these are the meanings of the word in Hebrew. Kofer means this, properly to cover. Literally, it could be a village or a house you're covering. Specifically, it could be bitumen as used for coating. And the henna plant was also used for that. Oh, gosh, I just now caught that. That's what they use whenever they put the blood they coated the doors with, ugh. they coffered, they coffered. Whenever Moses built the ark, what did he do? He coffered. He co- what was he? He's sealing it. It's a seal. And then, figuratively, it is, you ready for this? The redemptive price. 
It is the ransom. It's the satisfaction or the sum of money. So y'all, I know y'all are like, I don't understand what you're saying. I don't know what you're saying. Let's go this way. Jesus hung on two sticks of wood forming a cross. Two thieves hung on either side of him. Thief one covered one cross, coffered it. Thief three coffered or covered another one, hung on it. But it wasn't either, neither one of them could do. Not, how many people had ever died on crosses? But when Jesus covered, the, he was the atoning sacrifice. Atone means to cover. When he covered the cross with his bludgeoned body, he sealed redemption for all of us. Just like when Noah painted the pitch on the inside of that boat and on the outside of that boat, if he had not covered that gopher wood, that acer, if he had not covered that acer, what would have happened to that boat? It would have sunk to the bottom of some ocean somewhere and everybody in it would have died. It was the seal that kept them alive. So, it don't matter where I'm at or what I'm doing, I am sealed. Well, you don't believe me, I know. Okay, let's go back up a little bit. Somebody go, let's go to Ephesians 1.13. We're doing a little Bible study today. Ephesians 1, I want you to be so confident. I don't care what tomorrow holds. I know we all know that as a little old cliche, but I know who holds tomorrow. I want you to know. Not just know it as a cliche. I want you to have the seal in your life that cannot be altered. Okay, so Ephesians. Ephesians 1, 13. How many already found it? Okay. Ephesians 1, 13. After you heard the message of truth, the good news of your salvation, and when you put your trust in him, you were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. Anybody got their Holy Spirit seal on? This ought to get you. I am, you know what I'm coming after today? Your fear and intimidation, your dread and your worry and all of that because if you're sealed, you're sealed. I mean, this is good. Okay, let's go a little further. Four. Y'all don't believe me yet. Four and 30. Four and 30. Four and 30. I just want y'all to be so uh, excited about God. Okay. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Ah, wait, I got to back up a little bit on this because y'all need to know, how many of you want to offend the Holy Spirit? It would have been like Rahab taking the cord out of her window. Well, we need, how many, let's, let's not offend the Holy Spirit then, right? How many of y'all like to know the list of his offenses? Just to make sure you're not, engaged in them. Anybody? Well, it's right here in the text. Thank God. Let's read it. Let's back up a little bit. Okay. Okay. I wish that everybody could hear this. Nor Okay. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Oh, wait. Nor grieve the, nor give the devil a foothold. The one who steals must steal no longer. Y'all stealing? More stealing than you think. More stealing going on than you think in the house of God. Instead, he must work 
doing something useful with his own hands. A job ain't a bad thing, y'all. Why, why does he, why, why, what's your purpose in getting a job and working with your own hands? It says it in the next verse. Let's read it. So he may have something to share with the one who's in need. Let no harmful word come out of your mouth, but only what is beneficial for building others up according to the need. I mean, they may need it. It may sometimes be a hard word because they may need it. You know what I mean? That doesn't always mean it's sugar, right? How many times have you ever, somebody needed to be told? How many times have you ever had to tell your kids what they needed? You know, that happened. So that it gives grace to those who hear it. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness and all rage and anger and quarreling and slander along with all malice. Instead, be kind to one another, compassionate, forgiving one another. So all those things, when we allow bitterness and envy and greed and, and stinginess and, 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 and theft and lying... And having slanderous words or thoughts toward them, accusing one another. What we're doing is we are grieving the Holy Spirit who is our seal. Our seal. So all of a sudden, we sort of make that like, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Like, you know, he just so, he's so needy, he'll come back. Is that not true how we sometimes like, we're like, oh, I grieve the Holy Spirit. I'll try better next time. We're sort of a little bit, am, am, I, am I just being, I can be a little bit complacent there. Thinking, you know, oh, well, everybody makes, that's what I hear all the time. And my dad, this is, this is my, dad, my dad's favorite line after beating my mother up. Everybody makes mistakes. That's not a mistake. I always wanted to go, I'm about to make one. Hold still. I mean, you know, I always want to go, let's see how you like the mistake. I mean, they probably do. That's why I always told my, because I grew up in an abusive house like that with my dad. My, against, never against me, but against my mother. That's one of the things I told Mike early on. I said, you may hit me because you probably are bigger than me and you probably hurt me. I said, but you will sleep and I will beat <laughs> hell out of you. I meant it. Y'all think I'm kidding? No. It had been like, here we go. Need, I know that sounds terrible, doesn't it? Now you know how bad, Lord, forgive me. I didn't have to because he's saved and filled the Holy Ghost and he's a preacher and he never raised a hand to me. But when you're raised in a house like I was, you're always careful. You're careful about that. You know what potentially could be there and you got some, you know, you got some mindset toward it. But see, the Lord healed, you know what I mean? He heals all of that too. You know what I mean? I couldn't have, honestly, I couldn't imagine hitting a person. You know what I mean? So, I just say that just for, you know, in case y'all are wondering if I'm suicidal or not, hom homicidal, sorry. Homicidal is the word. Okay. Now. Okay. Revelation 14.1. So, Revelation 14.1. Yeah, don't, don't think I'm crazy. I'm only slightly crazy. The Lord's dealing with the rest of it. Then I looked and beheld, and the Lamb was standing on Mount Zion, and with him were 144,000 who had, been, had his name and his Father's name written on their foreheads. That's the seal. His name. Now, you know what's funny? I don't have time to go through it all. Well, I will. 
Revelation 13. Somebody, somebody read Revelation 13, 16 for me. Go to Revelation 13, 16. That's the Antichrist. He, he commanded all, both rich and poor, small and great, to receive a mark on their head, on their hand, or on their forehead. Who else seals that way? Ah, yeah. So it's, it's about allegiance. See, the only way you're going to be able to get the Antichrist seal is you got to give up the one you got. Because this is where I was at. This is where I was at right here. Because you got to worship him. Now, I'm not telling, if they start passing out microchips in your hand or your forehead, I'm saying don't do it. You know, duh, right? But here, here's the deal. Here's the deal. This is more than about a technology. And that's where we get really off is when we start focusing on weird technologies and AI and all that may be involved. All of it may be involved. And that, that ver but it's more, than, it's more than technology. Right here, this is the only technology you've got to be concerned with right here. No, no, you've got to, it says they worship him. They worship him. They worship him because they think he's God. The Lord gives him the power to work signs and wonders. And if it were possible, he would deceive even the very, or the, what is, what's another word for the elect? The sealed. If it were possible. If it were possible does not mean it's possible. If it were possible. See, how are you all excited about that seal? I mean, that's a good seal. Exactly. This is, okay, now we've got, now, Revelation 14 and 9. Who will read that for me? No, it's in 13 still. No, it's 14. I'm having a hard time reading my writing. 14 and 9. Revelation 14 9. So we've got two different, see the whole thing, the whole world here is what's dividing into two camps, isn't it? Two seals, right? The seal of God and the seal of the... Well, I think, well, maybe. You know what? And I heard, and I heard uh, Mike Bickle say this, and I tend to agree, that when the Lord returns, there are going to be three people on earth. There are going to be the redeemed... Whether you believe in pre-tribulation or not, there's, there's people saved during, you know what I mean? Whatever you believe. There's going to be the redeemed who have been raptured. Redeemed get raptured. Say that. You need to know that. Redeemed get raptured. There's going to be the, um, the there, there's going to be the reprobates. I'm going to use my R's. The reprobates, because those reprobates are the ones who have done what? They've received the Antichrist seal. Then there's going to be the rebels. The rebels, now, how many, you don't have a heart. We live in the South. We li wait just a second. We live in the South. Let's go on down to Louisiana for Cajun country. I just can picture a few Cajuns down there. They're not Christians, but they are not going to submit to anybody telling them that they got to give up their guns or 
do something, they're like, country boy can survive. <laughs> country folk can survive. We say grace, we say amen. You know what I'm talking about. I can, I can run a, I can catch a fish, I can run a trot line, I can skin a buck, a country folk. You know what I'm saying? They're going to be on the earth at that time. That's my imagination. You know, they're, they're going to... They're going to survive. There's going to be a lot that won't, but they're going to survive. And then at that point, they're going to get to, it's going to be like some deciding going on. You're going to have to choose. It's going to be an easy choice at that point. But I wouldn't want to be in that crowd, honestly. Would you? I mean, come on, how many are you planning on that crowd? Because I'm, I'm saying, don't even listen to what I'm saying here. Because, see, that's thus saith Andrea. Go with thus saith God. I, I don't know how that's going to fare for you. You know what I'm saying? So don't plan there. Plan on re- you see the re- what I see coming in the black and white of the scripture is the redeemed and the reprobate. And that's how I see the scripture playing out. Okay, now who has uh, 14 and 11? That sounds pretty final, doesn't it? That doesn't sound fun at all, right? So here's the deal. Even if you had to, even if you had to be uncomfortable for a few years, right? You, you, that, there's nothing compared to forever. Okay, so now uh, let's do 16-2. Who has 16-2? I'm just putting this in there, y'all. I want to punch this home. 16-2, Revelation 16 Oh, so though, so who who did it? Now we, that's what. I, ah, there you go. Let's read that. We we may not we may not believe that all the time, right? So it says, that I, and this is in uh, chapter six, and it says, um, and the Lamb opened the fifth seal, and I saw the altar. No, and the it was given to them, and I saw the Lamb open the sixth seal, the sun and the moon. Oh, I'm in the trumpet. Sorry, 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 sorry. What is it? No, I'm talking about in Revelation. Hold on just a second. Oh, nine. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I've only read this a million times. You'd think I'd know it by now. Nine and four. And they were told, the angels were told, do not harm the grass or the earth or any tree, plant, or tree, but only the people who do not have the seal of God on their forehead. And they were permitted not to kill them, but to torment them for five months. And their torment was like the scorpion, the the torment of a scorpion when it stings a person. So they were tormented five months. Interesting note of a pattern. Y'all ready to see another pattern? Go back to Genesis. Revelation and Genesis are just such parallels in so many ways. We go back to beginning and end, right? It makes sense, doesn't it? Okay, we go back to Genesis. Let me find this because I didn't mark it. I just made a note. Okay, Uh, 7 and the last verse in 7. And the 24 or 20, whatever yours is. The waters overpowered the land for how many days? 150 days. You know how long 150 days is? Five months. So see, the water, the plague of water was on the earth for how long? How long were the locusts stinging people who had the mark of the beast? See, you're supposed to catch that. 
You're supposed to catch that we are. We, this is, we're, we're moving. This is a decreation cycle. This is a decreation cycle. The Lord's given us all of this in advance so that we are not unprepared. So the seal, the seal. I could go on and on about the seal, but we got to go here. So I want everybody to understand that when that pitch, that pitch was put on, it was the covering for that person. And that when you are, I don't, because I asked the Lord this. Here was my question, just so you know how I study. I'm reading Revelation 7 about the 144,000, and I'm reading the whole thing. And I'm like, this is me in my office. I'm like, Lord, I get up and pace my house when I have a question. I was like, Lord, I don't understand you. I have the 144,000 of the Jews that were sealed, God. I don't see, I don't see other people sealed. You don't mention it. Are they not sealed? What's going on? I'm just pacing, going, I don't understand. Why did you not say? And all these other people were sealed too. Are they not sealed? And the Lord just like knocked on me like, you know, Marty McFly. Hello, McFly. And he said, he's, yeah. Yeah. he said, you're already sealed. I was like, oh, yeah, there are scriptures that say that. It's like I knew it, you know what I mean? But I get so, I got so insular in my understanding. I'm just in this place. I couldn't see. He's like, and so I'm like, well, so you're, what you're pointing out there is the effectiveness of a seal. He says, yeah. Yes. Yes. And when this is put in this, we're trying to be so linear. Yeah. I mean, so I just want you to know, no matter how things go down, this is where all I want to leave you with. I don't know how things are going to go down entirely. No one does. And people who say they do entirely, they've written a book and they're trying to defend their book. Here's the deal. I know that whatever happens, God is faithful and he is able. If he can break off a portion of wall and break off another portion of wall and cause it to stand and everybody to walk out, no matter how this thing goes down, the Lord is able. But that seal, that's, that's what you got to get on your life. Are you sealed? And so if you're scared, what's going to happen? I'm like, are you sealed? You say, yeah, then I'm saying, then you're good. See how this, what this does is this focuses your faith on God who's able instead of on your religious practices or your belief system, which is not able. God is able to seal you, and he does. Amen. Wait a second, Henry. You know, we're going to be trying to save them. They're evangelists. You know what I mean? This is the Antichrist. No, wait. Hey, hold on. They're going to be like, what? Whatever. You know how hard that's going to be? You don't even know how how firm a seal is. Yeah. And that's the deal. But see, no, this is just me. I I believe this. I believe the 144,000 are actually Jews who do not know Christ yet. Oh, really? I do. I believe. Now, here's just my, this is what I believe. And other theologians, I mean, I found, not because I'm wrong, them, I believe. 
because see, the Bible says in Zechariah when they see him, the one that they have pierced, right. he's returning, so it has right. to be good. When they see him, the one that they have pierced, they will mourn over him. So they, when they don't mourn and repent until they do what? Right. So if he's returning at that moment, then but they because, realize. Because, because God is so faithful, just like he chose Abraham and he said, I will preserve a seed for you. Right. He's going to seal those 144,000. They're, they're the, they are the Adam and Eve in the land of promise. They're the Adams and Eve. You know what I mean? They so are you the think they're going to, even though they're sealed, they're going to see and go through. They're going to be protected from the little people. Right. God's going to protect them, just like He's going to be. He's going to be just like Moses. He's going to be just like. He's going to be just like Joshua, and He's going to be just like David. And you, you know, when I when I read about how they they mourn, mm-hmm. I don't think they're only mourning. Do you think they're only mourning because they realize, oh, Jesus? It says is this. Him, the one we pierced, is Him. But are they mourning for all of the ones in the past? Oh gosh, yeah, it's a mourn. They, it's they, a mourn down they through led, their bone marrow. They led the wrong way. That they led, you know what I it's mean? It's a morning, not For like it's not like a morning like I'm oh so well, sad. So sorry. No, yeah, they're going to be oh weeping. Well, it says like it says they will mourn like a man mourns over his only son. So yeah. what they're going to do, they're going to mourn over Jesus for what God made him and not for who he is. And that's what he's going to do. He's called the Christ. You yeah. know, because we yeah. always we I always agree. tell people, you oh, know, yeah. me and Yvonne yeah. always 